Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, starting at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. time. Good morning and um, welcome to St. Helens on this Mothering Sunday. And so appropriately we are looking at the Lord's Prayer today uh, and what a relational prayer it is. So if you wanted to keep the page open, I think we're still on page 1042, that's Luke chapter 11, or feel free just to listen. Let me pray and then we'll take a look at this passage together. Father God, thank you for that. Thank you that we can call you Father. We who are limited and finite and human can address the infinite God of the universe. Thank you for bringing us into your family. And today as we think about mothers and about uh, your parenthood of us, would you teach each one of us? And Father, would you change us in the ways in which we need to be changed? And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus said to his disciples, When you pray, say, Father. Well, we have, of course, a number of mothers uh, with us in the congregation this morning. And so, and parents, mothers, fathers, and uh, even if you're not a parent, you certainly were at one point, and possibly still are, uh, a child. Now, my question is this. If you are a mother here, how is it that you would like your children to relate to you? Would you like them to go about their business, focus entirely on themselves, be always getting on with their own things at the different age of life, whatever that is, and focus on what they're playing with, uh, focus on what they're driving their life towards, and only ever come and speak to you when they want something. Now, I imagine a number of parents uh, in the room might be thinking, that is exactly how my children relate to me, or possibly did at one stage. But we hope that as they grow, that as they mature, that they will move past that, that you can move into an adult relationship, an exchange of sharing all of life 
sharing all of your plans, sharing your worries and concerns. Surely all who are parents long for their children to have that kind of relationship with them and then to receive that love and guidance and care back from, us, back from them. And all of those of us who are children um, and all of us uh, will have experienced either some form of parent or guardian or carer relationship. Do we not want a parent who wants what is best for us? All of us, uh, we want them to listen, to care, to have our best interests at heart. Not simply to be seeking to make their lives easy, um, or at worst trying to live their lives vicariously through us. Well, Jesus tells us to address God as Father. God is the perfect Father, perfect care, perfect love for us. But let's take this passage a bit more slowly and go back to the beginning. So verse 1 again. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now as a preacher, uh, there is always an extent to which one stands up and feels a bit like a hypocrite. We are called to declare the truths of God's word as they are written, to say what God has said, not to change it to the way that I want it to be, not to play it down to the level at which I live my life. And it is said that if you want to embarrass a group of Christians, ask them about their prayer life. The irony is that this amazing privilege of being able to speak to God as Father, many of us find difficult. We find it hard to set the time aside to pray. And then when we do sit down to pray, sometimes we're not sure how to pray. We don't know what to say. And sometimes you meet people who say, oh, well, I don't set aside time in the day to pray. I just pray as I'm going along. And of course that is something we can do. And it's a wonderful privilege, just as a child walking with their parent down the street would be talking to them through the day about everything that's happening and everything that's going on. But it's interesting to see that if you think, perhaps if there was one man who ever walked on the earth who didn't need to pray, well, you think it might be the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus, the very Son of God, God himself, in perfect relationship with his Father, surely at all times communing with his Father, and yet he too set aside times to pray. We see it here. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him. So there was clearly a set time. They knew he was praying. He was there praying to his Father. And so what a model for us. But as I say, as a preacher, one always feels something of the hypocrisy of what you say. And, and I, I'm sure like many of you, struggle to do that, to set aside the time to pray. Last week we were looking at Mary and Martha. And we saw there, uh, if you're following along, it's verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And then down to verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. And we reflected about the way that we spend so much time rushing around doing things that we struggle to take that time to stop and slow down and listen to Jesus 
listen to him by hearing his words in the Bible. But surely that goes just as much, if not possibly more so, for prayer. I don't know about you, one of my struggles, one of my, sort of, if there's sort of a, a spectrum from Martha to Mary, one of my sort of Martha inclinations is feeling that I need to do things, feeling that I need to get things done from the to-do list, feeling that I need to check things off, almost to, to justify my existence, to justify my place on this earth. Why be here if I'm not achieving? Why be here if I'm not doing? Why be here if I'm not acting? It feels almost lazy to sit down quietly, open the Bible, read it, and just receive, and then pray back to God when there's that nagging list at the back of my mind of all the many things that I need to do. And the great irony is when we then turn Bible reading or prayer into yet another thing on our Martha list, yet another thing on our list of things that we are worried and upset about. We think not only have I got to do all the emails, all the washing, all the tidying, visiting sick relatives, looking after friends, going to work, coming home, picking up the kids from here, dropping them off there. I've also got to fit in Bible reading and prayer somewhere and we turn it into a duty whereas we want to receive it as a blessing. As I say, please don't hear this as me telling anybody off. This is hard to do. And that's why I think this next verse, which almost might be surprising, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And instinctively we might think, don't really need to be taught how to pray, you just talk, don't you? But actually, given how much many of us do struggle with praying, perhaps we do need to be taught how to pray. And I think the first thing for us from this should be that encouragement. Jesus said to them, his first thing, when you pray, say, Father. Many religions uh, put barriers in front of God. And throughout history, the church has often done that as well. In order to approach God, you must come to the priest. In order to approach God, you must pray to this saint, or to Mary, or to someone else, or you must go and adore this picture. But Jesus says, as children of God, we can enter his presence and say, Father. And so firstly, that should just be a relief for us. There's no magical form of words. We don't need to get it right. We don't need to get through several levels of security before we can speak to God. He is there waiting for us. An encouragement. But also, a gentle challenge in the next line. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But what does so many of us, what often is our instinctive prayer... Well, it is prayers for things that we want, isn't it? I want this, and that's when I will pray. There's that phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. A foxhole in that saying being sort of uh, in, in wartime, someone being pinned down under fire, and they can't get out. And the, the point of that, that phrase is, you know, at that point, everyone prays. Now, I feel that's possibly a little unfair to atheists, so if you are a staunch atheist here and you say, I've never prayed in my life and I'm never intending to, then 
I'm not saying that you do, but we are all of us more instinctively likely to pray when we have needs. I do it myself. When life is harder for us, we're more likely to pray. And there is a sense in which God delights in that. Like a father who loves to take care of his children, God delights when we turn to him in need. But as we said at the beginning, if you're a parent, then you don't want your children only to turn to you in need. You want to share with them as well. And actually, with God being our heavenly Father, he says, we are to pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Whereas sometimes our prayers can more reflect, God, make my name great, my kingdom come. And that being a risk. And so there's that challenge for us, that God is Father. We can walk into his presence, but also we are to pray holy. The closeness of God, the theological word is the imminence of God. He is here with us, but also the holiness of God. Holy means separate, set apart. The transcendence of God. He is our Father, but he is still holy. So it's not, we don't just kind of rock up into his presence and say, hey buddy, you know, sort my requests. We say Father with joy, but with a sense of privilege that it is a wonder that we can address him that way. But he does want us to speak our requests to him. We have that in the next line, verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. But again, is that a challenge to the kinds of things we often pray for? We often pray for our lives to be comfortable or perhaps for a promotion or perhaps for you know, the, the car or the house or the life or whatever it is. And God says, pray for, Jesus says, give us to pray to, give us each day our daily bread. There's a proverb uh, in the Old Testament that says, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Poverty, lest I become poor and steal in order to feed myself. Riches, lest I become self-sufficient and forget about you. And as we said last week, Satan will use whatever he can to take away our faith. If he can do it by making us poor and resentful, then he'll do it by making us poor and resentful. If Satan can take away our faith by making us rich and stop depending upon God, then he'll do that as well. He doesn't care whether we are rich or poor, healthy or sick, happy or unhappy. He just cares that he doesn't want us to have faith in Jesus. And so that prayer, give us each day our daily bread, is not a prayer that we might have the best bread, give us each day our daily croissant, but give us each day enough that we need to get by, to stay alive. And then yet another challenge, verse 4. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. As we've done this morning, we've confessed our sins, and we've remembered the Lord's forgiveness to those who put their trust in Christ. God has forgiven our sins if we've put our trust in him. But he asks us to forgive others also. It's not so much a condition as evidence. If we realise how much God has forgiven us, 
If we realise that God has, the God, the creator of the universe, has forgiven us for not loving him, has forgiven us for not respecting him, has forgiven us for taking his gifts but living in this world as if he didn't exist, the greatest offence that there could be then, well, we will be able to forgive others also. It is the power of God's forgiveness to us that enables us to forgive others. And so we say, forgive us our sins for, because we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness of others is not a recommendation for the Christian. It is a command. The Lord Jesus commands us to forgive others. Now we could spend a whole sermon on every line of this and we could probably spend a whole series looking at that issue of forgiveness and forgiving others. In fact, I'm going to recommend a book at the end which is a whole book on just this prayer, going through each line, chapter by chapter, thinking about it. Um, But we haven't got the time to investigate that now. And then lastly, lead us not into temptation. Again, if God is a father, if God is a good father, he wants what is best for us. And so we say to God, please protect us from being tempted by the things of this world. Whenever we choose sin, that is, whenever we choose that which is less than God's plan for us, whenever we choose to say, no God, I'm not going to go your way, I'm going to go my way, we always choose that because we think it will make us happier. No one ever sins because they think it will make them less happy. We choose the path of sin. We choose the path of saying, yes God, I know you say this is how I should live my life, but I'm going to live it my way. Because we think our lives will go better if we do that. So when we tell that little white lie about why we were late to work or why we forgot something we were supposed to do, well, we do that because we think it will make our lives easier than telling the truth. We never choose sin because we think it will make us less happy. And so we're saying in that moment, when we choose sin instead of God's way, we're saying implicitly, God, I don't think your way is best. Whenever we choose sin, we are saying implicitly, God, I don't think you're a good father. I think you don't want the best for me. I want the best for me, and I think I know better than you. But God, as Father, loves us and wants what is best for us. He is the perfect parent. And so when we pray to him, lead us not into temptation, we're not saying, Lord, take me down the boring path of drudge and hard work and living for you, which is going to be all service and difficulty. God says, when, you say, when we choose that path, when we say, lead us not into temptation, we're actually saying, Lord, lead me into the good life. Lead me into the blessed life. The life of relief. The life of dependence upon you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and anxious, for my burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's us so often that we take the trappings of the Christian life and we then remake them into a burden for ourselves. 
And so this week, as every week, God calls us back and he says, no, I'm a good father, depend on me, listen to my words, and then tell me all your troubles. Pray like this, Father, confess your sins, accept forgiveness, allow God to provide us with what we need, and then trust him to lead our lives. Well, you may be thinking, as I did in my preparation, surely prayer is necessary to the Christian life. But last week, Jesus said, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And he was speaking about listening to him. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and listened, and Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so as we finish, just a a reflection on... Oops. Which is more important, praying or reading the Bible? And I think that question might be paralleled by saying, which is more important, breathing in or breathing out? If you don't breathe in, then you can't take oxygen into your lungs in order for you to provide the energy that you need to live. But if you don't breathe out, well, then you won't be expelling the carbon dioxide from your body. You need to breathe in before you can breathe out. And I'd say Bible reading and prayer is much like that. We need to hear the words of Jesus first in order that we may know how to pray, in order that we may know who is this God that we are praying to, what is he like. But then we need also to breathe out, not only just to take in the Bible, take in the Bible, take in the Bible, but we need to breathe out and we need to pray to God, to praise him through who who he is, to ask for the things that we need and then to ask for his help to live for him. Let's do that. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. And thank you for the Lord Jesus and his teaching of us. Thank you for these words on prayer. And so we pray for ourselves. Father, forgive us and we thank you that you do forgive us for our turning prayer into a duty, into a drudge, in not carrying it out as a joy and a privilege. And so, Father, on this Mothering Sunday, as we think about those who have given us life and breath and who care for us, turn our hearts also to you, the one who gave us and keeps us with life, who loves us, who cares for us and provides for us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.